This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Right circle, Hayes, get it right point, Klingberg shoots, blocked, it's out of the zone, it's in the neutral zone, eight seconds left, Buckley Goodrow after it, time ticks down, the Lightning win the Stanley Cup, they have reached the top of the mountain, they are the Stanley Cup champs. Wow. All I can say is, wow, what a job by these guys. That's right. And they will defend their title starting tomorrow night against the Chicago Blackhawks at Amelie Arena. No fans in the stands, as we've said before, but you can listen to all the action right here on Lightning Power Play. Lightning made a couple of uh, moves yesterday that caught some people's attention. It's all... Getting to the uh, cap compliance stage of the season with Luke Shen and Tyler Johnson placed on waivers. We'll have a better idea of what's transpiring there later on today. But a lot going on in the National Hockey League, and we're going to talk about it with our good friend from NHL.com. That would be Dan Rosen. Dan, great to be with you again. And I know some people thought, you know, maybe we wouldn't get to this point of the regular season where the opener is moments away, but it feels like this was probably the right decision, even though Gary Bettman said yesterday that, you know, look, this the easy thing could have been just to not play this year. Yeah, without question. I mean, that the financial, the, the fiscal responsibility, I guess, would be that's all you care about. That would be to not play this year. As Gary Bettman said, that the losses this year are going to start with a B, not an M. It's in the billions, uh, not the millions. So it's obviously significant, but that's that's not a surprise. I mean, Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, any sport that's playing is is in you know and is multi-billion dollar organization is in that mode. We can't have fans in the stands. It's we're very very limited to. You know, fans in the stands, which Gary Bettman even alluded to yesterday, like three teams are going to have it, and it's not to make money. It's just to engage with fans as best you can in markets that are allowed. You know, that's 50% of the revenue in the National Hockey League, and if you can't have it, you're going to lose. You're going to lose money. But uh, the long-term, big-picture health of the league is clearly much better if they play uh, and don't go away. Uh, so... That's a, clearly a factor in this. The owners understand that, and we're going to get NHL hockey. And look, I mean, just like any other sport, right, right, that's been going on, you're going to have your issues. COVID is going to be involved in this. It already has been. We've seen the Dallas Stars have to shut down their facility and postpone the start of their season. So the Penguins have to cancel the practice. The Blue Jackets have to sideline 20-something guys. Um it's happening, just like it happened in the NFL, happens in the NFL, and happened in baseball, and it's going to happen more in basketball. Uh, it's going to happen in hockey. We're not immune to it, not in a bubble, but big picture, we're going to get a hockey season here, and it's a 56-game sprint to the playoffs to the best time of the year, and it should be a blast, I think. You know, I'm curious, before we get into this season, the way things unfolded last year with the league still being able to, to pull off the Stanley Cup, but we knew there were going to have to be maybe some changes to the NHL to live in this COVID world. To your point, Dan, half the revenue they make is, um, you know, fans in the stands, that gate revenue. I'm wondering, have you talked to anybody in the NHL? Are they looking to do things a bit differently to make more money? We, we've seen sponsorships on helmets. Do you think that's something that we're going to see on jerseys? Are you starting to hear from different teams that, 
they're they're trying to make it a little bit more affordable for fans to get into the stands when they eventually do and you know that new tv deal that's coming up i mean what do you make of just the finances of the league in general well the new tv deal uh, you know the american tv deal with nbc is up at i believe at the end of this season uh, um and that is a significant you know that's significant that's huge and 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 they're working with it right now, and I know they're trying to negotiate. You know, they like NBC as a partner, and other other networks have obviously expressed a lot of interest. You know, the the pandemic hitting impacts everything, right? It impacts everything about the business. Uh, haven't heard anything in regard to prices uh, when people are allowed to go back in the buildings. No, I haven't heard anything regarding that but i just think you know like look you're 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 gonna take a hit in the short term but you play now and you try to find other resources uh for revenue but a lot of it and gary bettman alluded to it in his press conference his zoom press conference with the media uh yesterday is a lot of it is just retention of money that you've already gained from big time sponsors like the helmet decals um some of them are just big sponsors that you know, have already given you money for something else and you can't do that now, whatever it may be. So now you're putting their decal on your helmet to retain the money that they've already given you. It's not necessarily a a source of uh, revenue. It's a retention of revenue that you've already received. And that was a big thing about playing the playoffs last year too, the TV money. It was TV money that was already given to the National Hockey League as far as my understanding is. But if they didn't play, some of that would have to go back. So they retained the money that they already had. It wasn't necessarily that they made more money. It's just they, they it was it was retention, and that's what Gary Batman alluded to yesterday. As as for you know ads on jerseys and things along those lines, I don't think that is anything. And Gary Batman has stressed multiple times that the jersey is sacred in the National Hockey League. The sweater is sacred. And he doesn't want to go that direction. However, you never know what happens, right? I mean, the world changes as we see. Dan Rosen joins us here on NHL from NHL.com here on Lightning Power Play. Well, let's get into the Lightning because when you take a look at their roster, Dan, a lot of people, when we discussed this on the shows last year, they were going to have to make some tough decisions. And, you know, with Kucherov being on long-term IR, in some ways they were able to maybe delay that another year and then hopefully Kucherov comes back for the playoffs and, boy, this team looks poised to really make another run. They have to get through the regular season first. We know they put Tyler yeah. Johnson and Shen on waivers. I guess all things considered, that's not a surprise. They have to make some tough moves, and, and this is the, the route they went with those two players. Yeah, not a surprise, and, and I don't think that, you know, in the cap world that we're living in right now with how teams are so tight against it, I mean, I know we'll, this may come out by the time we find out more information but i don't think that they're of the belief that anybody's going to go grab tyler johnson at this point uh, you know with a five million dollar cap hit so they're probably in that you know comfortable nature of okay we can expose him on waivers and now that he's cleared uh send him down to be cap compliant bringing him up you know things along those lines i think tyler johnson's going to play for them this season i i i really do uh, i don't know that Tyler Johnson is long for the team beyond this season. They're probably hoping that Seattle picks him up in an expansion draft. But we'll see. You know, I mean, we'll we'll see how this whole thing uh, unfolds. But it's not a surprise. Uh, and and it, Greg, I, I laugh. I have to laugh. I have to bring this up because I have to laugh. Well, you know, I mean, it was on Sorelli and Sergachev and Chernak 
and they, you know, no issue. Here we go. Great for the Lightning. Look, they even, you know, all they have to do is put Kucherov on LTIR. Uh, who would you think they'd rather have, right? Like, don't right. you think they'd rather have Nikita Kucherov for 56 regular season games and worry about it another way? That's a huge loss for them. And it worked in their favor to sign these other guys that you get them on LTI, but it's a significant loss. It's not exactly the route Julian Brisbois wanted to go in, but it was the route he was forced to go in. And he's made the be- you know, he's reaped the benefit of it because he's had to force them to go in that route. It is going to be interesting to see the Lightning play this year because we saw Dan last year. I think one of the big reasons they won the Stanley Cup, they changed the way they approached games. You know, they, they weren't as loosey goosey with the puck, played tighter defensively. Then they make those trades, they bring in guys like Goodrow and Coleman, and that third line was really good for them in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And yeah. You just get the sense, yes, that, I mean, obviously, listen, Kucherov is one of the top five offensive players in the game. I think you're going to see that affect the team in, in some way. That being said, who cares where they finish in their division as long as they get into the playoffs, correct? Well, I agree. Uh, I think they're still the best, even without Kucherov, I think they're still the best of team in that division. They, they benefit from that division. To me, it's of the four, that one's the it's still a tough division. It's this is not great English, but it's the least tough of the divisions. You know what I mean? Like of of the four that that are out there right now, I think that one is tailor made for the Lightning to go win that division, finish first place, or at least first or second place, and and go on and and be a, you know ready to go for the playoffs. Uh, so I I think they'll be fine. I do. I mean, you've got to remember this team just went and won the Stanley Cup basically without Steven Stamkos. Now they're just going to go chops without Nikita Kucherov. That's it's a totally different thing. They have to go win the Stanley Cup with one of their best players. That's really difficult. Now all they have to do is go finish in the top four of what I think is the fourth of the toughest division of the divisions in terms of toughness without Nikita Kucherov, one of their best players. I think they'll be able to do it. You're right, just get in. It's a division-based format in the first two rounds as well. So you're going to be familiar with your opponents. There's no question about that. They have elite goaltending. They have elite defense. They have elite scoring still with Stamkos back healthy and Braden Point. They're in your face, Sorelli, Gaudreau, a number of these guys. They could play and beat you in any type of way. The one thing, and I talked to Julian Breeze about this, the one thing they can't have, have is a Stanley Cup hangover. They, they're, they're, that's not allowed in a 56-game season. It's more you can, you can get by with it in an 82-game season, a struggle in the first quarter of the year, pick it up, get yourself ready to go, get into the playoffs. You struggle in the first quarter of the year. This year, 56 games, good luck making up because there's not a lot of runway there. Dan Rosen joins us here. I wanted to ask you about that because, I mean, a lot of this for us is we're just projecting. We have no idea how this is going to play out. But I actually think a 56-game condensed schedule can help a team like the Lightning coming off a Stanley Cup and preventing a hangover because, to your point, if you go on a five-game losing streak, even if this happens to be the weakest division out of the four, that's a tough hill to climb, so to speak. So I think the 56-game schedule helps the Lightning to get more engaged quicker. I'm wondering how you feel about that. I agree. I actually really do. And uh, I, I think you're getting with that because they know. You know, they know going into this that there's not going to be that, you know, that feeling out period, that weighed into it period. And, and I think a shortened training camp helps them too. You know, I, I think that's a big factor in it as well, is that you can't 
you know, slow, you know, make it a slow burn, basically. You can't start slow and, and pick up your game. You've got to start hard and you got to start fast, even in training camp, to get yourself ready for game one. And they've done that, and now I think you're right. I think that, that 56-game condensed schedule, the understanding of how important each game is. Every game's a four-point game. Let's not forget that. Uh, you're going to hear that a lot this season because it's all intradivisional. I think that actually but but I also think that they remind me a little bit of the Pittsburgh Penguins after coming off of the, the 2016 Stanley Cup because they know that they're built to win it again. And not every team feels that way after they win the Stanley Cup, but but the Lightning feel that way. They, they know that they are built to win it again. That, more than anything, fuels their motivation to not have a Stanley Cup hang. They how great would it be if they actually had a chance to win it again this year, but maybe do it in front of some fans at Amelie Arena instead of in a bubble with no fans? It'd be incredible. I mean, I think everybody here would love that opportunity. Of course, they didn't get a chance to repeat it back in 04 because of the lockout the following year. So I think a lot of fans would be uh, totally psyched about that. You take a look at the divisions. Is there's no question that, I guess maybe no question, but uh, at least up for debate, that Mass Mutual East division looks like it could be a, a bear you mentioned the Pittsburgh Penguins I know there are some teams maybe on the decline a bit that have been at the top of the NHL standings for quite some time the Caps the Penguins and the Bruins but those teams you know are going to be competitive and then you factor in teams like the Flyers the Rangers are an up, up and coming team do you get the sense that division might be the toughest I think it's a toss-up between division and the North Division of all the Canadian teams uh, for, for two reasons. One, the, the East, you're right, it's loaded. It's going to be, it's like running a gauntlet, you know. I mean, that division's going to be a grind. And I feel the team I, the two teams I actually really feel for are the New York Rangers and the Buffalo Sabres. Because I think in, in a regular year with a regular, um, stand, you know, division setup, I think both of them, those teams would look at it and say, we might have a chance here to finish in the top four of our division, maybe top five and sneak into the wild card that way. And we, we have Harbor and playoff hopes here. They both still are, but now it's a lot tougher, I think. That division, you know, with, with Boston, with Pittsburgh, Washington, I think Philadelphia might be the best team in that. Um, and the Islanders, it, it's going to be a haul for, I think, for the Rangers and the Sabres. But, so, you know, that is a tough division. I think you have six, including the Rangers, maybe seven teams in that division. If you factor in Buffalo as well, that might be a little bit outside the realistic, but that could say to themselves, we should be a playoff team this year. But you have six absolute guarantees in the North Division that say, we should be a playoff team this year. Uh, all the Canadian teams but Ottawa. And that division is going to have the most travel. You're going to be changing the most time zones in that division. It's the only division that goes coast to coast, basically, or, or you know, from one end to the other. Um, it's there's more pressure, I think, in that division because the Canadian. It's going to be all Canadian. It's going to you know all Canadian media. Uh, it's going to be settling barroom debates that have ranged from you know province to province to province. Who's the best team in Canada? Um, that one's going to be a little tougher, uh, I, I think, in terms of making the you know getting in then. They're both going to be tough, I should say, but that one, that one's going to be just because of the travel involved and the pressure involved and the Canadian, you know, media involved. 
I think it could be a little bit different than the East Division. Uh, the East Division doesn't change time zones. It's the only division of the four that has no time zone change at all. Travel's going to be like a, a peewee team, you know, going from rink to rink in their own state. That's a good point. Dan Rosen from NHL.com joins us here on Power Lunch. Last question for you, Dan. I mean, give us maybe a, a prediction or two how you think this season's going to unfold, whether it's a team surprising or maybe not doing as well, a player emerging, or just maybe how many games you actually think the NHL will get in this year? Do you think it's it's going to be 56, or do you, do you think we're going to do some juggling here? Well, there's going to be some juggling, but I think they get in 56. Let's not forget um, – they built in a window of flexibility at the end of the regular season and at the end of the playoffs. If you look, the last possible date for the Stanley Cup final is July 9th. The draft isn't until the 21st or the 20th or somewhere along those lines for the expansion draft. So there's an extra 10, 12-day window there that they can buy themselves again if they have to postpone games or move things around, you know, things along those lines. It may, they could end the regular season a few days later than they would than it's built in now. And then the playoffs a few days later, and it's built in now and still managed to get it all in. So hopefully it all works out, 56 games for every team. Surprises, uh, my biggest surprise, and when we did predictions, which are up on NHL.com right now, is I don't have the Pittsburgh Penguins making the playoffs. We just talked about that East Division, how loaded it is. I think the Flyers are the best team in that division. I think the Capitals have a good run in them because Laviolette's always strong in his first few years with a new team. I still like the Bruins, even though they took some hits on the back end. Their goaltending is as strong as anybody in the league, as any team in the league. And the Islanders are just always going to be there because of the way they play defense. I think the Pittsburgh Penguins lack the depth that they're used to having. They have a great tie in 71 with Crosby and Malkin. But beyond that, I'm not saying they don't have the depth that they once had. Plus, they don't have the goaltending depth that they once had. And I think that's going to be very important as well. So that's, I guess, my biggest surprise is that the Pittsburgh Pen- – I didn't have the Pittsburgh Penguins making the playoffs this year. Uh, you know, and a surprise in a good sense, uh, I don't know necessarily it's a surprise, but I, I would be – I mean, I think Colorado Avalanche are the best team in the league, and I think they're going to prove it this year, and I'm going all the way to win the Stanley Cup. Wow. I like it. I like it. Well, as they say, that's why they play the games, and we will see – how that all unfolds. That's It'll right. be interesting, too. You mentioned Pittsburgh, too. I think it does it come down to Tristan Jari giving them some consistent goaltending. He has a chance to uh, because I think Matt Murray was pretty inconsistent the last couple of years, but we'll see how that all plays out. Of course, here in Tampa Bay, they, they really don't have to worry about you know Vasilevsky. That's who, the one thing they don't have to worry about. Nope. No, he's the best. They're, he's the the, best in they're, the one of the, they're one of the few. Yeah that can have a 56-game season and not worry about two goalies because he's just so good. He's a stud. There's no doubt. Well, Dan, as always, we appreciate the time. Why don't you give people uh, an opportunity to to check your workout? I know you guys are still doing the podcast, and then uh, we'll yep. catch you at the rinks. Why don't you give us a promote there? Well, obviously, all the work is on NHL.com, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at DRoseNHL.com or follow NHL.com at NHL.dot, C-O-M, on Twitter. And, yeah, uh, we're doing podcasts every week. It's the NHL at the Rink podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. We've got some good guests. We've always got some good guests. We're, we're probably recording Thursday or Friday this week. We want to get, you know, get teams playing a little bit before we uh, – before we do our next podcast, because we've been previewing this for so long, we actually want myself and Sean Rourke, uh, my co-host, who's also managing editor of NHL.com, and 
it's definitely good. We get a lot of good guests on the podcast. Wonderful. Outstanding. Dan, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you down the road. All right. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. All right, that's Dan Rosen from NHL.com. Always does great work. We enjoy having him on. And yeah, Colorado's a really good team. There's no question. And a hungry team. They've got a lot of star power up front for sure. Tampa Bay, of course, we've had uh, some pretty good games with them over the last couple of years. And the Lightning are right there with them. And especially you get a guy like Nikita Kucherov back. Again, assuming Tampa Bay's in the playoffs, which we all do. Maybe uh, a one-two punch there. The two best teams in the league going at it. That would be very, very interesting. We've got some questions that we want to address when we return. At Greg Linelli, at Bolts Radio as well. Would you make some of the comments that Dan had to say? And again, we'll get your questions when we return. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, thanks again to Dan Rosen from NHL.com for coming on with us to talk about the league and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, if you want to read Dan's work, go to NHL.com. All right, let's get into it. If you're just joining us right now, you do know that the Lightning had to make some roster moves yesterday. And listen, you knew some tough decisions were going to have to be made, and the Lightning certainly made them yesterday. Tyler Johnson and Luke Shen were put on waivers, as Julian Brisewa said yesterday, with the objective of creating as much cap space as possible. Now, if they clear waivers, they will be put on the taxi squad, and they won't be eligible for opening night tomorrow against the Blackhawks. That means Johnson, probably, if he's still with the team, would rejoin the main roster going forward, and the coaching staff would then decide how to use Shen moving forward. But it does look like Cal Foote is going to be on the opening night roster, along with Alex Volkov and Matthew Joseph. There had been some questions as to whether or not both of those players would make the team. Now, the roster could look differently moving forward for sure, but at least right now, that's the best we can tell. Now, teams also have until noon today to make any waiver claims. And those could be trickling in even when we get off the air at 1 o'clock. So you have to keep that in mind. Team rosters right now are set to be turned into the league by 5 p.m. tonight. So uh, that kind of gives you an idea of what to look for tonight before the opener against the Blackhawks tomorrow. The Lightning also placed Jamel Smith, defenseman Andres Borgman, Ben Thomas, and goaltender Chris Gibson on waivers for the purpose of adding them to the taxi squad. And as it stands right now, Tampa Bay has 21 players remaining with the team. So I know a lot of people panicked when they saw Johnson put on waivers. And as Julian Breezewell was saying, this gives them the best opportunity to get the max cap space to work with. And when you're a team like the Lightning who are up against the cap, you have to find ways to work with the salary cap. And do I think Tyler Johnson or Luke Shen is going to get claimed? I, I don't know. Most likely not because other teams are dealing with cap issues. And I know some people are questioning what does this mean for Tyler Johnson? Not so much long-term because let's face it, folks. I mean, I don't think Tyler Johnson is going to be here beyond this year. I, I didn't think he was going to be on the team this year. 
certain things played out. It, it wasn't because the Lightning didn't like Tyler Johnson. They just don't like Tyler Johnson at that cap number. And, you know, when these teams sign those contract deals, when those players, those big deals, when the Lightning did that under Steve Eisman a few years back, I mean, a lot of that was to spread out the cap hits. You know, a lot of people looked at what Kaloran was making, and they saw the number of years associated with it, and they said, boy, that's way too long. That's going to catch up with them down the road. Well, yeah, it, it is. But you have to take in uh, into consideration a couple of things. One, a player may not sign with you unless they get the terms they want. And, you know, a big sticking point for some of those players was getting a six-year deal or seven-year deal. And even though the Lightning maybe weren't comfortable with that necessarily, they liked the player enough at the time to sign them to those longer contracts to also be cap compliant as well and to spread that number out. Understanding full well that they probably weren't going to see the life of that contract. I think the players understood that. I, I think the team certainly had conversations with these guys. And if you don't have a trade clause, a no trade clause or no movement clause, we have seen teams and players sit down and open things up a bit and maybe say, okay, you know what? Even though I have a no trade clause, I'm going to open it up to seven or eight teams that I'd be willing to go to. And we saw that from the, for sure, Tyler Johnson in the off season. So I'm not surprised this is happening. I, I know some people maybe are asking the question, well, do you think this hurts Johnson's value going into the expansion draft next year? And do you think this hurts him this year with the Lightning if he's back, knowing that this is a team that put him on waivers twice? I, I don't know. I mean, for me to completely dismiss that and say, no, it's not going to have a, um, a factor at all, not going to be a factor at all, I, I think would be foolish on my part because you're dealing with human beings. Human beings have emotions. And... While Tyler Johnson certainly understands the situation, do you think any player likes to be put on waivers who uh, is an accomplished player like Tyler Johnson, especially one coming off a of Stanley Cup? No, probably not. He understands this is a business, but just because you understand that doesn't mean it's easy to accept. Now, do I think Tyler Johnson has been you know, thrown a lot his way throughout the course of his hockey career? Yeah, and for the most part, he's come out and persevered. I would expect the same thing this year. And look, they're going to have to use him in a way that they get production this year from him, with Kucherov being out, assuming he doesn't get claimed from another team. So this, you know, when we talk about the business aspect of it and why these professionals get paid what they get paid, folks, this is part of it. What separates... These players who make it at the NHL level is the mental side of the game. There are a lot of guys who are talented. Up and down. You take a look at guys who are in the AHL who put up great numbers and you know get they get to the NHL and they and they fizzle out and you know a lot of that is physical. But to get to where these professionals are today, you've got to be mentally strong. And I would expect Tyler Johnson to be ready to go for the Tampa Bay Lightning, assuming he doesn't get claimed. It's a tough blow for him, no doubt. He had a whole offseason trying to figure out where he was going to go. He had the team that he came up with basically 
put him on waivers and say, you know, we don't want you. And you can smooth that conversation all over and word it any way you want to, to make it seem like that's not the case. But that's the case. And now Tyler Johnson not only is playing for his teammates, but he's playing for himself. He's playing for next year and the rest of his NHL career, which most, which most likely will not be here in Tampa Bay. That's not a bad thing. It's not. That can motivate him to have a tremendous year. As I've said before, Tyler Johnson should look at this year and say, I've got a ton left in the tank, and I'm going to put up a, a, some really good numbers. I'm going to be on a second line to start the season. It might not be at, at center, but it's going to be on the wing. And I've got an opportunity to make a really big impact, maybe more so than I did last year. And I can show all the other teams right now in the league that not only is my contract player-friendly and team-friendly, but also I have a lot to offer. I'm a former 20-goal scorer. I've made an all-star team. I'm a Stanley Cup champ. Damn it, I am captain material. And if you take a flyer on me, if I am not back with the Lightning after this year, you are getting a hell of a player. And that's... That is how I would look at it. Motivate yourself. You know, Luke Shen, to to a lesser degree, I, I'm not as concerned. I mean, he's been in this situation before. Luke Shen, he's it's been a while. He's removed from being, you know, a top four defenseman in this league for quite some time. I think he understands he is a depth piece who can be used in certain situations to play in a top six when called upon. But Tyler Johnson is tricky. Tyler Johnson thinks he's a top six guy. On most teams, he probably is. And on most teams, they would probably look at him and say, you're a guy that we want to build around to help some of our younger guys especially progress and become players like you. He just happens to be in a situation here in Tampa Bay where A, they're very talented and deep, but also B, up against the cap. This is the business side of the NHL and sports, really. And I think Tyler Johnson understands it. It doesn't mean it doesn't get messy and emotional. But once he takes the ice, he's got to put that all behind him and get ready to go. I think he will, and he's a true professional, as they say, and he's been around long enough to see that even the really good players sometimes get thrown that monkey wrench in their plans, and you have to figure things out, and I think he will. At Greg Linelli on Twitter, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. Dan says... Will there be any hard feelings now that Johnson has been put on waivers again and will not be available opening day? This concerns me because I think he's going to be an important player this year. Uh, Don, I agree with you, and it's something I just touched on. He is an important player on this team for sure. This is part of the, the business where you have to separate emotion and logic. And as I said before, play for your teammates this year. Play for yourself and play for the other teams that are going to be looking at what you bring to the table beyond this year because Tyler Johnson still has a lot of hockey uh, left in the tank, no doubt about it. Let's get to some other questions. Uh, this comes from Prezemic. He says, could you see Cal Foot playing with Victor Hedman or that duo with Ruta is unbreakable right now? It's a good question, and I think it's one that a lot of people want the answer to, but I'm not sure you can get one to start the year. 
if Kyle Foot is on your opening night roster, and assuming he is, you've made the decision that he's one of your six best defensemen. As Brian Engblom said yesterday, this is somebody that has played a lot down in Syracuse. He probably feels like he's ready to go. It's his time. But the interesting thing is you've got guys like Chernak and Sergachev and now Foot, who are still young defensemen that like to be spread out playing with veteran defensemen. But at some point, that's not going to happen. It, it just isn't. Do I think they like Ruta with Victor Hedman? I do. But if Kyle Foote is one of your six best defensemen, even if it screws up your righty-lefty combinations, then if they have to sit a guy like Ruta, so be it. I, I think the, the other interesting question, it's one we talked about with, with Brian yesterday, was how much playing time does a guy like Sergachev get this year? I mean, Sergachev, in some ways, unless he decides to you know move on the right side, in many ways is blocked by Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough playing as much as they do and being as valuable as they are. And those guys aren't going to see their ice time decrease a ton, if at all, in the regular season. And maybe you see them try and protect Hedman here and there and McDonough here and there. But, I mean, those guys you basically can pencil in 18 to 22 minutes a night in the regular season. Then once the playoffs start, it's a whole different ballgame. I think, for me, Sergachev taking another step in his progression will be more impactful to the Lightning than where Kyle Foote slots in on the back end. That's not to say Kyle Foote won't make an impact on this team. I just I need to see him play against NHLers, and I need to see who he has some comfort with as his defense pair. But with Sergachev, we saw tremendous progress last year. And the fact that this team isn't as deep on the back end this year as compared to last year, I think it's imperative that the players that you have this year continue to make improvements. And the ones that are going to make the most, the, the drastic improvements are your young defensemen. Chernak and Sergachev are kind of in that sweet spot where they're still young players who have NHL games under their belt, but I'm not sure we've seen their ceiling yet. And I think you want to continue to find what their ceiling is as, as quickly as you can, while at the same time finding some ice time for Cal Foote, which I think they'll do this year uh, throughout the season. But, you know, they've got some options, and it, I think some of it, too, just depends on how flexible they want to be with the, the righty-lefty combinations. But uh, there's no question that Jan Ruta, when he was healthy, showed some pretty good chemistry with Victor Hedman. But Jan Ruta, out of all of the guys I mentioned, let's include the Hedmans and the McDonough's, probably is somebody that doesn't have the same upside as everybody else on the roster. In other words, he's probably, when you take a look at the tools in his shed, he's probably the, not the most talented defenseman out of the guys I mentioned. But if he finds a role with this team and plays very well, with Victor Hedman, that accounts for something. So you can react to that if you want to, at Greg Linelli. We've got a lot of people chiming in on the TV situation regarding the Lightning and where you can watch games. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. Uh, as I said before, hit me up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio, and we'll still take some of your questions coming in from Twitter uh, as well. 
make sure you uh, weigh in, and we'll kind of go from there. We'll take a break. We'll come back, and uh, we'll wrap up the show. We'll take more of your, your questions and your thoughts as we get ready for the opener tomorrow at Amelie Arena. It's the Lightning and the Blackhawks on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, glad you're with us here on the show. Greg Linnelli with you. Steve Versnick producing. Opener tomorrow. We'll have uh, coverage for you wall-to-wall there, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Remember, that's an 8 o'clock game. A lot of people are asking me, and I'm sure amongst yourselves, you're debating where can you watch the game? Now, of course, we want you to listen to the game right here on Bolts Radio, and that's what we would prefer, but we know you like to... See the lightning uh, for yourself in person on TV. And uh, Scam Likely, I like that name on Twitter, said, Can Tampa Bay sell their TV broadcasting to anyone else from Sun Sports? Majority of fans can't even watch 42 of the 56 games this season. And Steve, I, you know, I, some of that is confusing in terms of, you know, where can you watch the games? Who gives you the rights to watch the games? But what mm-hmm. I do know is, this has become a bigger issue than I can remember heading into a season. Yeah, so Sun Sports or Fox Sports Sun was bought by Sinclair Broadcast Group this past year. All those Fox Sports regionals that you, you hear about and know about. Um, so uh, th- they bought those stations. Some of their carriage deals ran out with Frontier. Uh, if you stream it uh, on YouTube TV or Hulu Sports, their deals ran out. They have not, to this point, been able to come to a agreement to carry the to carry those channels on those services. So, currently in town, I believe the only place to watch Fox Sports Sun is on Spectrum. If you have Spectrum uh, as your cable provider, to get that. Now, that's not to say deals won't happen and can't change. Um, you know, both parties said they're willing to you know get do a deal, but it's got to be you know. Uh, the terms that that they could agree to. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Wednesday night's game, the opener is on NBC Sports Network, so I believe most of those services have that channel. Uh, it'll be starting Friday with new play-by-play guy Dave Randorf and Brian Engblom that um, if at this point, if you don't have Spectrum, you will not be able to see the game in the Tampa Bay market, that is. Um, if you're outside the market, there's options to purchase uh, one-team packages through NHL TV and, and things like that. Uh, but if you're in the Tampa Bay market at this point, Spectrum's the only option. Now that doesn't mean it won't change in the next, you know, 72 hours. Um, you know, those deals can come out any time. This happens periodically. I mean, the Dodgers for years were not on most cable systems out in LA. They are now. Um, and there's there's other Sinclair Regional Sports, you, you know, the the networks that are having these issues too. So, um, it, it, you know, it, it's. It's what happens when you enter into contracts and the question of can they sell their rights to anyone else but Sun Sports. At this point, no. I don't know when the contract ends, um, but they have a contract with Sun Sports to carry the games and to produce them and do all that. So until that contract ends, no. There's, there's, no, there's nothing the Lightning can do in that regard that I'm aware of. It's uh, honestly like I, I've I've been in a couple of different markets. I haven't seen it be like this <laughs> before, especially Steve with a team coming off a of Stanley Cup, and I think a lot of fans probably mm-hmm. are like, you know, is this going to alienate some people? I, I've, I've, you know, again, Twitter is what percentage of the people out there 
that uh, really mm-hmm. are giving you their voice. But I mean, you know, some of this is turning people off to just not even bother anymore watching games. I, well, I find that hard to believe, but I understand the frustration. Well, I, the frustration, sure. And and you know, to be fair to this, it's not like it's only happening here with Sinclair. This is happening with their regional sports networks all over the country, and they own. I think there's 22 of them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not just a Tampa Bay thing. Um, but the other part of this is, is a lot of these carriage deals ran out in October, um, you know, and so, or, or even, you know, it, it was even September, I think for, for frontier when it ran out and, you, you know, maybe you just didn't notice it at this point because, you know, the lightning weren't playing at that point or they were in the playoffs in September and it was, you know, all those games were on NBC or NBC sports network yeah. by the later rounds of the playoffs. So, you know, this has been going on for a couple months. I, I, I have no knowledge or of what's going on behind the scenes, if there's, you know, active t- talks to get that remedied or not. What usually happens, and you'll see this all the time on, you know, sometimes it's the local channels, Channel 8 or 10, or, you know, they'll, they'll be, you'll see scrolls at the bottom, you know, so-and-so is going to drop us, call your cable provider, tell them you want this channel. The first time there's no game, lightning game on, there's going to be lots of people calling Frontier, or YouTube TV or Hulu, you know, whatever your provider is, assuming it's not Spectrum, going, I want Fox Sports Sun. And, you know, that does ramp up pressure on, on, on both sides to get deals done when there's the demand for it. Because Sinclair would like more people to watch their games, but, you know, they also pay rights fees to the Lightning and the Rays and all this, and they need to recoup that as far as cable right. fees. That's how, that's how they make a lot of their money. And so it's just, you know, I don't know if... if you know, one side tried to raise the rates too much or tried to cut. I, I don't know that stuff as far as what's going on. Just know that at this point they have not come up to come up with a deal. It doesn't mean that couldn't change in the next, you know, seventy two hours. So stay tuned is what we're telling you. Stay tuned and hopefully yeah. that does get rectified. And of course, as we said before, you can listen to all the games here on Bolts Radio. I mean online but, but, power play yeah, here. Right, exactly. But the thing is, you know, for three months this or the two months these channels have not been available on some of these services. Yeah. And you know, but the, the demand hasn't been there yet because there hasn't been the live games that you're missing. You know, the Rays haven't been playing since, you know, October and, and the Lightning haven't been playing on Fox Sports Sun since early August, the first round of the playoffs. So, you know, now that we're getting to live games that you're missing, that's when the pressure can get ramped up. And, and, and as, as, you know, viewers are calling in this, that can sometimes right. force a deal, too. So. Well, and I think to your point, people are starting to realize that, wait, oh, no, I'm not going to get lightning games this year (laughs) and uh, because the season is approaching. And I think to your point, uh, phone calls can do very well or, you know, social media sometimes can get people's attentions. A lot of these companies, Mm -hmm. too, they definitely read what's going on on Twitter. So I'm sure they're getting a lot of complaints and uh, hopefully that gets changed for all of you, because let's face it, as Dan Rosen said, Yes, Colorado, he thinks, is the best team. But the Tampa Bay Lightning have a very good chance of repeating, and I'm sure you're going to want to see this team back in action, even if it's just 56 games, which I actually think works better uh, in many ways for an audience out there uh, rather than 82. Uh, I understand why they do it. We all do. But you go 56 Mm -hmm. games, it is a sprint right off the bat. And um, it can also make it have some anxious moments because if you get off to a slow start, it is very tough to crawl back uh, into the race. But I agree with Dan, Steve, and we'll see how this all plays out too. I think out of all the four divisions, the Lightning might have lucked out in some ways, especially with Kucherov being out. I mean, there are a few good teams in there, but nothing there that's that's overwhelming you. 
Well, and I think, you know, and Brian Engblom talked about this yesterday. You know, I think Detroit's going to be better, but they're not playoff ready. Uh, I think Chicago's got problems. So if you take those two teams out, now you're talking six teams. Um, you know, I think Dallas will be good. I think St. Louis is good. The Lightning are very good. Florida's on that cusp. Uh, Carolina, I think, is pretty good. Um, who am I leaving out here? Which team am I leaving out now? Um, Let me see. Nashville. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, you know. They've got questions, too. Exactly. So barring, barring you know, a lot of injuries or, you know, and we got to deal with COVID outbreaks and things like that that are going to happen, potentially could happen this year. But barring that, the Lightning should finish in the top four of this division. If they don't, it's going to be very disappointing based on the division. I mean, you know, I think that Eastern, I I think Canada's tough, but I I think the teams in the East are so much tougher. Yeah, I think that East, that Mass Mutual Conference, as I said said before, I mean, that is just a a brutal division. I, I mean, I actually think the Flyers might be the best team in that division. But when you take a look at the Bruins, and then you have the Capitals and the Islanders, the Rangers are an up-and-coming team. I, I looked on NHL.com. Their writers gave their rankings of who they think will make the playoffs. There was at least three or four of them, I think, that didn't have Pittsburgh making the playoffs. And that, mm-hmm. I think, goes to show you how deep that division is. I think Pittsburgh's on the decline, no doubt. But maybe in another division, there's somebody you feel pretty confident they're going to be in the top four regardless. But that Mass Mutual East, and I have to keep saying that over and over again, Steve, because it just doesn't make uh, a lot of sense anymore. Mass Mutual East division uh, is probably the toughest. And then you take a look at the Lightnings with the uh, the Discover Central. I mean, there are some deficiencies there. You know, Dallas, hey, Dallas, we saw what they could do last year. They're an older team that, yeah, they're goaltending. I'm not sure what you have still. And is that going to hold up again this whole year? Uh, played tough defensively, but... You know, Corey Perry's not on that team anymore, and he was somebody that did very well uh, in the postseason. The Red Wings, we need to see it. The Florida Panthers have a lot of uh, questions for sure, and you went up and down the list. And the team we're going to see tomorrow, Chicago, you know, you've got Patrick Kane, but you have no Jonathan Taves, and, you know, mm-hmm. they're an older team who's trying to get younger on the fly. No Corey Crawford. We'll see how that plays out. But, I, I mean, if you're a Lightning fan – you probably have to feel really good about your team this year, not only because of who you have coming back, but also the division you're in. I mean, I think it's fair to say that just finish in the top four and you'll feel pretty good about running the table, Steve. Yeah, and, and as you know, we've said this all along, but don't get, don't get in a hole early because every game's a division game. And, you know, you don't want to give away points. When you got a lead late in the game, you don't, you don't want to give away that late goal to give up a point even if you win it in overtime because they're all division games. And, and secondly, and Dave Mishkin's talked about this a lot, what is the impact of the schedule going to be on playing teams back-to-back? Now, you're not necessarily always playing back-to-back nights. Yeah. But you go to – you know, Chicago's in town for two. Dallas was scheduled to be in town for two. Then you go to Columbus for two. Um, you know, how does that play out? Because you're not used to seeing that. Two, you know, occasionally you'll get a home-and-home home back-to-back with a team. Maybe Carolina in here, and you'll go back and forth. But for the most part, you play a team and move on. It's only in the playoffs do you do this kind of format, where you're playing, you know, multiple games in a row regularly in the same arena. So, how is that going to play out? And does you know the the second night, does the team who lost the first night have more jump? 
you know, how does all that play out? And I, I don't think we know yet. And I think it it may vary from team to team, even, and, and you know, and maybe even you know, opponent to opponent based on you know history with that opponent too and stuff. So it's that's going to be interesting as well. Another thing I was um, reading, uh, another article I was reading on tw- Twitter and uh, Sportsnet also had a good one on it regarding the outdoor games. And they uh, the confirm the NHL confirms plans for Lake Tahoe outdoor games in February. And what I found interesting, Steve, and, and to our audience at Greg Lenelli at Bolts Radio, is that <laughs> once again the Lightning not given an opportunity to participate in an outdoor game. Now the Avalanche are going to face off against Vegas mm-hmm. on February twentieth, and then that's going to be followed by the Honda NHL outdoor Sunday, February twenty first. That's going to be the Flyers and the Bruins. Now, look, I'm not one to pound the chest or sound the alarms. Hey, what about us down here? Why can't you just help us Mm -hmm. out? We've been in the league for so long now, and we don't have an outdoor game. And Because I think at some point that will happen. I know Mr. Vinnick has been, you know, behind the scenes, not behind the scenes, trying to convince Gary Bettman to maybe even have the Lightning host an outdoor game. But even if they weren't to host one, Steve participating in one, I think, would be a nice first step. I'm not sure what makes Vegas get one before Tampa Bay, especially you're dealing with the Stanley Cup champs. Some of that could be logistics. I don't know what went into that decision. But every time Tampa Bay does get passed over for something like this, I do have to shake my head and say, really? Why? Uh, uh, well, in in I don't know the details behind this, but it's possible the Lightning didn't want to participate this year. They didn't want to make the cross country travel, or yeah, that could be in this, and there could be logistical things with it. Uh, you know, this year I think you have to kind of go. I mean, there could have been so many other things going into it that we don't know about. Um, you would like to see, you know, one of the deepest, most talented teams in the NHL featured more often. Absolutely, um, you know, I, you know, the Lightning or the NHL is always talking about marketing their young stars. Well, yeah. how many of them do you have on this Lightning team? From you know Nikita Kucherov, who's obviously hurt this year, but Braden Point, Anthony Sorelli, and and Andre Vasilevsky, and you know, and, and and Hedman and Stamkos, of course, are stars. But when you start talking featuring younger stars and and some of the best players in the game, the Lightning have a lot of them, and you'd like to see them featured more often. Now, logistics of this year and and how that all came about, and you know, the fact that the Lightning actually have fans in the building, maybe that led to not wanting to have an outdoor game. I mean, you know, I, you know, Boston and Philly aren't having fans at this point. So, you know, what does it matter if you take a game out to Lake Tahoe? Um, the Lightning, at the, you know, as these were planned, we're planning to have fans in the building, and there's not going to be for at least a few weeks now. We'll see how it goes going forward. But, you know, so there's all kinds of logistics that may have went into it as well. For sure. And I think a lot of Lightning fans certainly, you know, feel slighted that their team not involved in something like that. But we don't know Mm -hmm. all the conversations that went behind the scenes, but I I do think it's kind of odd at this point we're sitting here and we're like, huh, really? They're, they're not involved in something like that, but you know, who knows? Maybe the lightning to your point, Steve declined. And and maybe this year too. I mean, you know, the lightning are in a a division with a lot of new teams that they don't regularly play. Um, You know, Chicago, Dallas, St. Louis, Carolina are not from their division. So you don't really have a big rival in the division. You know, they on those those outdoor series, they like to get teams that have some history to them, 
sure. between each other in that to to ramp up that part of it. And the, Although you could have the Dallas Stars, right? You could well, say uh, rematch. Well, absolutely. Rematch. Oh, that, that could have been, absolutely. But, I mean, you don't have that. I mean, Boston-Philly is a, you know, throughout many yes. sports is a rival. Um, you know, so you start looking at that, and, and the Lightning's division this year doesn't have a lot of the, you know, if it was a Lightning-Boston game, potentially that could have happened. Yeah. You know, that's become a big, ser- a big rival right now in the NHL. Uh, because they've been on top of the division for many years now, the two of them. You know, something like that, but they're not playing this year. So you can't take that game out there. So there, I think there's a lot of things like that going into it. I tweeted this out earlier today. This is from the NHL Public Relations Twitter feed. The Lightning own the NHL's longest active win streak in season opening game 6-0. and A victory on January 13th against Chicago would make Tampa Bay the ninth team in league history to win seven or more consecutive season opener so that's coming from nhl public relations and uh, we're going to have coverage for you starting i believe at seven o'clock uh the game is at eight you're going to see the chicago blackhawks patrick kane always fun to watch and let him dangle with the puck uh, more times than not he's going to make you look foolish but you know as i said before chicago i think has more question marks than answers and uh, for the lightning I I would expect the Lightning, the way their team is constructed right now, knowing the Kucherov is out, and knowing that you're coming off a a Stanley Cup championship the previous year, I anticipate they're coming out ready to go. And the reason why I feel that way is because you have guys like Braden Point, Steven Stamkos, and Anthony Sorelli down the middle, players that, at least up front, will not allow this team to go into any major slumps. Obviously, a Victor Hedman and Vasilevsky back there, when you have a really great goaltender, you're not going to go in many slumps. It's one of the reasons why Tampa Bay, over the last five, six years, when you take a look at how good they've been in the regular season and in the playoffs, they've won a lot of games and have stayed atop their division because they don't go into long losing streaks. Now, why is that? Well, you have a really talented roster, but you have a tremendous goaltender. And John Cooper, I'm paraphrasing here, was asked, you know, what goes into, you know, being a, a winning coach, a solid coach. And he said, you find me a winning coach, I'll show you an elite goaltender. And that's what Tampa Bay's had, not only since Vasilevsky's been the starter, but really going back to Ben Bishop, as I said before. It allows you to avoid long losing streaks. Then you factor in players like Braden Point, Sorelli, and Stamkos. And then you have guys like Kalorn, a championship team coming back, Victor Hedman on the back end, Ryan McDonough. There's enough of a veteran presence there who's no nonsense that understands the importance of getting off to a good start. And I actually think, as you heard me ask Dan Rosen this question early on in the show, I think a 56-game schedule helps Tampa Bay right off the bat because it forces you to focus and not have as many lulls as you may have in an 82-game season. Plus, I think, too, playing in a different division, there's a little bit more excitement in something like that. Yeah, sure, you want to go after Toronto, you want to play Boston, and listen— there's not a better rivalry than I think at times Tampa Bay and Boston. And it's fun watching those two go at each other. And the fact that they're not really going to be playing during the regular season is tough. But I think also too, some of these teams that are in Tampa Bay's division right now, including a team like Dallas, uh, you can create some different rivalries, but it's also a different look. You don't get a chance to see these teams often. Now you do. You're going to see them eight times this year. You're going to have some nice hatred uh, throughout the regular season. And it's going to be a, a little fresher for you because you haven't seen these teams before as much as you would like the Torontos and the Montreals and the Boston. So as far as I'm concerned, 
I think this is shaping up to be pretty good for the Lightning when it comes to getting off to a good start for a variety of different reasons. But I think when you take a look at the Lightning and the team they have coming back, we talk about leadership. This is where leadership steps up in some ways and says, guys, let's get off to a good start. We can't afford to have any lulls. If we do, we're going to be behind the eight ball. Let's not have that. And then I think players who are no-nonsense type players give you an opportunity to make that happen. Let me know if you think that is true or not. At Greg Linelli, if you want to get involved uh, with the conversation, you certainly can. As I said before, tomorrow we are going to be at Amelie Arena. That'll be a lot of fun. Social distancing, wearing a mask and all. I know a lot of you um, had anticipated going, um, and I feel for you, but we'll do our best to uh, describe the game, and hopefully you're listening to it on Bolts Radio with uh, Dave Mishkin and... Um, the Hall of Famer, Phil Esposito on the call. And then, of course, we'll have the post-game show for you as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So we can take your calls and get your questions on the air after the game. Hopefully it's a win against Chicago. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us today on the show. Thanks to everybody who listened. Thanks to Steve Versnick, as always. To Dan Rosen as well from NHL.com, we thank you. We'll be with you again tomorrow. It's the opener against the Blackhawks on Lightning Power Play.